right. Well, if you're new with us this morning, I do want to greet you. My name's Jay Duncan, and that gorgeous lady next to me is my wife. So all you other ladies, hands off. That was a joke. <laughs> Amen. Come on. She was in Spain for the past two weeks. Welcome home, Team Spain. So glad to have you guys back. All right, turn with me if your Bibles, if you would, to the book of Matthew, chapter 13. And while we're going there, if you guys would put the Antioch Creed up on the screen for me this morning. If we have that readily available, I'm getting a no. No worries, we'll, we'll do that another time. Matthew, chapter 13. We're in the middle of a series called the Transformational Word of God, the transforming power of God's Word. And we're actually reading a book together. As a congregation, so for those of you guys who are joining us in our journey, we are reading through a book by Richard Foster, and the title of that book is Life with God. Life with God, the transforming power of God's word. And you can, I believe those books are still available at the Welcome Center if you're interested, or you can jump on Amazon, or go to the bookstore, what have you. But uh, we are actually walking through the parable of the sower as a supplemental material to the information that is in life with God. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to jump back into Matthew 13 for the brief minutes that we have together and get into the Word. Father, we bless you today. We do. We just bless you. We love you so deeply, God, with with all of our hearts. And Father, we ask that today, that by the power of your Spirit, you would come and you would occupy more space in our hearts. You would plow up and you would till up ground in our heart, Father, where there are hard areas of our field that have been trodden on with bitterness or rejection or offense or pride. Holy Spirit, today, would you do what only you can do? Would you break up that fallow, calloused, hardened soil of our lives? Today, Father, I pray that you would grace us with the capacity to hear deeply, that you would grace us with the ability to pull on what you are saying from the word this morning. And I pray that you would breathe on these clay lips today. You would anoint these words to hit the mark and that every word that is not from you would fall to the ground and that lives would be changed in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As we were worshiping today, I found myself looking up at these flags. And for those of you guys, again, who are with us today for the first time, uh, the mission that we feel like God has stamped onto the people of Antioch Church is very simply this, as a kingdom community. And I might actually change that word community to family. Four years ago when we crafted that mission statement, community seemed right, but with the revelation that God has given to us over the past four years, kind of just seems appropriate that we're not just a community. You know, you can go to a gym and be a community. You can, you know, own a Mac computer and be a community. You can be a Broncos fan. But uh, we're not just a community, we're a family. And so as a kingdom family, God has, we believe, held us together and preserved us, and he has put us here to do something very particular. He's called us to awaken, to awaken people's lives. And uh, one of my prayers is that we become a people that are alive and that are awake every single day. You know, it is possible to be awake in the spirit. It's also possible to be asleep in the spirit every day. And when you wake up, one of the things that could and should be on our lips is, God, make me awake today in the spirit. 
Make me awake today. You know, as my wife was gone for the past two weeks, she came in and uh, went to baby A, Kingston, who was uh, just waking up. And here's Christy. She's been gone for two weeks, and I'm so excited. I cracked the door open. I'm like, Kingston, I've got a surprise for you. So he kind of pops up. He's kind of looking over, and I just burst in. And I'm like, Mommy's home. And he goes, Not the reception that we expected. So Christy comes to pick him up, and he starts crying. We're like, whoa, 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 what is going on here? He's reaching for me. Christy's crying. I'm crying. I'm like, this is not the script that I wrote for this moment. He had to wake up. And, you know, after about 30 or 45 minutes... He's like, mommy, it was the funniest thing. We're sitting at the table and it's like he had this revelation. He goes, mommy, we're like, wow, okay. (laughs) But you know, we believe that Antioch exists to awaken people's spirits. And that doesn't just mean awakening them to salvation. It means that on a daily basis, we can become awake to all of the fullness of the reality of God. I'll tell you, when Bernard was preaching today, I was getting awakened. I really was. Bernard, outstanding. So John last week, outstanding. I'm telling you, these are not just token things. I had a preacher once, or actually my pastor in Tulsa, Uh, somebody asked him, why do we always give these offering exhortations every week? And he says, I believe that anything that you do, you ought to have a fresh measure and a fresh revelation of faith on everything that you do. And I was like, all right, I'm in. And it's true. And And it's that fresh measure of faith, this fresh revelation that comes forth every week because these guys pray into these things. These guys uh, soak their times with the Lord in prayer and study. And when they bring that exhortation, something gets awakened inside of me. We want to be awakened to the cause of the poor. We want to be awakened to the cause of global missions. We want to be awakened to the fullness of the spirit. We want to be awakened to the gifts. We want to be awakened to the need for wholeness. I remember uh, five years ago, it was in January and the Lord said, it's time. And as soon as he said, it's time, I knew because the, the year previous, he was knocking on my door and I rejected him. And uh, he said, all right, son, he goes, it's time. And immediately I knew I needed to call Apostle Bill Suddeth. I just knew it. He didn't explain. He just said, it's time. Call Bill Suddeth, and I was awakened. I was awakened to the power of deliverance and inner healing and the need for forgiveness and wholeness and restoration. It's not scary. It's not fruity. It is an essential reality in the Christian life. We believe on a daily basis, and we believe here at Antioch Church, that we can actually participate with God to create atmospheres, environments, anointings, and expectations that when people come in here, they can become awakened. But we got to make a demand on that. It doesn't happen automatically. Nothing in the kingdom happens automatically. Right? We believe that we're called not just to awaken you, but to equip you. And again, we participate in the equipping process. The people who are best equipped are the people who want to be equipped the most. They're the ones who make a demand. They're the ones who pull. They're the ones who draw on the things that are inside the opportunities that are within the people of God and and opportunities around. And then we're also called to send. We're called to send. We're not only called to send teams to nations, we're called to send every single one of us into 
the unique assignment in the sphere or the field or the mountain, whether that be family. Some of you are assigned to your family. This week, I was assigned to my family. I did not feel anointed every day for my assignment to my family. But there is a literal authority and anointing and grace and wisdom and strength for the field of family, for the church field, for the government field, for the business, education, arts, entertainment, media. Every single one of you are called to those things. You're called to your neighbors. You're called to your friends. You're called to a school. And there is an authority and an anointing that accompanies that very legitimate assignment. And what we want is not a people that feel like spirituality and spiritual validation is withheld only within a church service once a week. We want you to understand that life in God is something that your assignment, your legitimate, valid, priestly, and kingly ministry is something that is alive 24-7 in the unique field that God has called you to every day. And so every week, we want there to be marching orders. We want there to be this commissioning activation that happens within every single one of you every week. And the purpose is for transformation. That's why that's, those are the things that God has given to us. And the point of that little sermonette was that we have to participate with those missional orders. In the military, just because a mission is issued does not mean the mission will be accomplished. You have to participate with the mission. And remember, the game changer is transformation. Why? Why transformation? Because we believe that wherever the kingdom of God goes, that transformation is inevitable. So we want God's kingdom to come And we believe that the only people on the planet that can bring God's kingdom to the earth are the sons and the daughters of the king. Those are the only ones who can bring God's kingdom. We're the only ones. We are the privileged ones that have been given authority as sons and daughters to bring God's kingdom to the earth. And where God's kingdom comes, things must change. Mindsets must change. Worldviews must change. Belief systems, value systems, family structures, social structures must change. So the evidence or the witness of the manifestation of God's kingdom is transformation. Individually, families, churches, communities, nations. So why is something like life with God and why is something like the parable of the sower so important? Because this right here is absolutely foundational to our mission. It's foundational to who we are. It's foundational to God's kingdom coming and bringing transformation to the earth. So let's read a little bit, Matthew 13, verse one. On that day, Jesus went out of the house and was sitting by the sea and great multitudes gathered to him. I'm reading out of the NAS, sorry guys. I keep, I keep switching my Bibles on you. It's all good. Our translations might be a little bit different. I'm bringing out the New American Standard Version. Great multitudes gathered to him so that he got into a boat and he sat down and the whole multitude was standing on the beach and he spoke many things to them in parables saying, behold, the sower went out to sow and as he sowed, some seeds fell beside the road and the birds came and ate them up. We talked about that two weeks ago. By the way, guys, thank you so much for loving on Pastor Scott and Marsha. Those guys were just so richly and deeply blessed. And I just want to say, man, thank you so much for loving on those guys. Verse 5, other seed fell upon the rocky places where they did not have much soil. And immediately they sprang up because they had no depth of soil. I want you to remember these phrases and these words. We're going we're to hit this 
In the remaining minutes that we have together, other seed fell upon rocky places where they did not have much soil. Some translations say earth. And immediately they sprang up. That's very important for our conversation today. Immediately. So there was a semblance of quick results. There was quick fruit because they had no, but immediately they sprang up, but because they had no depth of soil. But when the sun had risen, they were scorched. And because they had no root, they withered away. We'll keep reading here. Others fell among the thorns and the thorns came up and choked them out. And other seed fell on good soil and yielded a crop, some a hundred, some 60 and some 30 fold. He who has ears, let him hear. Now, Jesus gives some commentary here in private with his disciples. And then he goes on and he explains this particular parable. We'll pick it up at verse 18. Verse 18 Jesus is explaining, and he says, Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not, and we understand by two weeks ago, chooses not, refuses to understand, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is the seed that was sown beside the road. And the one on whom seed was sown on the rocky places, this is the man who hears the word and immediately receives it, with joy. Yet he has no firm root. Where? In himself. It's interesting that the scriptures don't say, and yet the word did not take firm root in him. It's not what it said. The scripture says that this man is a man who lacks root. He lacks root structures. He lacks depth in himself. Outside in my backyard, there's areas that are landscaped with rocks. And uh, in certain parts of those rocks are just a bunch of weeds that pop up from time to time. And it doesn't matter how many times you pull those weeds up or how many times you throw a weed killer down. Those weeds just return year after year. Uh, But the thing about those weeds that are on the rocks, I love them as opposed to the weeds that are in the grass because the weeds in the rocks, they just pop up, man. Yeah, I remember one time I had Milani Kenya go out there and you just, you know, you take a, Take your thumb, take your forefinger, and you just pull them up. And they pull up so quickly. And why is that? Well, because their roots are not penetrating into depths of soil. Because there are obstacles. There are obstacles that stand on top of that soil that prevent that root from going down and grabbing a hold. And just like what this man is saying right here about this man right here, He has no root in himself. I was talking with some of our life group leaders this past Thursday, and I said, what are some of the first things that come to your mind when you hear about this particular uh, person? And some people mentioned, uh, well, the first thing that comes to my mind is people who church hop. Somebody else said, you know, consumer Christians. Somebody else said, uh, people who just focus on the externals. So let's think about this here for a little bit because there is a person in Christianity that Jesus is describing. And Jesus is saying that there is an approach that we can take towards Christianity that does not allow the things of God to go into a deep place of our lives. I was talking with someone not too long ago And I felt like God gave me a word for this person. And the word very simply was, God has you in a rooting season. 
a rooting season. You know what a rooting season is? A rooting season is a season where you do not see much fruit. A rooting season is a season where you're doing all the right things and you're putting all the right effort and all the right energy and you're obeying and you're faithful and you're steadfast and you're doing everything you feel like God has called you to do, yet in a rooting season, you do not see much fruit. And if I were to talk to Nexus or GC or any of our young leaders and some of our young leaders that are listening by podcast, here's one thing that I would say. I would say, do not despise the rooting season. Because in the rooting season, the focus is more on the soil than the seed. In the rooting season, it's more about removing the obstacles that prevent you from being a deep person. And I'm not talking about deep for the sake of being deep. I'm not talking about an annoying deep, right? There are some people that are an annoying deep because they try to make deep their personality and their identity because they don't have real identity as a son. Sons don't have to be deep in terms of personality. Sons just have to be deep in the sense that they allow God to do a deep work inside of them and they want God to occupy all of the space in their lives. Don't despise the rooting season. Don't despise the season where you were, God and you are uprooting and pulling rocks out of the space of your heart and the space of your mind. Scripture says that the fool has no room in his heart or his mind for God. The fool. The fool has no space in his mind for the things of God. The fool is so busy with entertainment The fool is busy with externals, things that are temporal, things that do not last, things that are meaningless, things that may be good, but yet still occupy space in our minds, space in our affection, space in our time, space in our heart, space in our passion. And because of all those things that occupy, God can't get into a deep place of our lives. Have you ever found yourself engaging with something in God and getting a little impatient that you're not experiencing or seeing the fruit that you want to see. This is the soil that falls on rocky places. That's what that is. There is nothing that can substitute time and patience in the spirit. Nothing. How do you build a man who is gonna lead millions of people out of bondage and exile, how do you build that man? 40 years. 40 years on the backside of a desert called a rooting season where God is pulling rocks out of the soil of his mind, out of the soil of his heart, out of the soil of his affections so that this man can be completely occupied with the things of God so the things that God puts in there, they'll take root. How do, you, how do you build someone who lasts? Take a look with me, if you would, at, and hold your spot there in Matthew 13, because we still got a, a little bit to exegete there. In Proverbs chapter 12, Proverbs chapter 12, we'll look at verse three. It says, a man will not be established by wickedness, but the root of the righteous will not be moved. A man will not be established by wickedness. 
You will not be established by temporal things. And one of the Psalms, the psalmist is recounting, he's actually surveying the life of the wicked. And you know, sometimes as you look at the life of the wicked, you think, really? I mean, these guys have everything they want. They, they have every woman that they want. They have every material thing that they want. They have all this money. They have all this blessing. And that was what was going on. The psalmist is recounting, and he's actually finding himself getting a little bit envious of how seemingly easy and how seemingly convenient the life of the wicked is. And then he gets snapped back into reality, and he realizes this is just temporary. This is just fleeting. This does not last. This does not last. The, the, the wicked cannot be established. And when you think about established, especially those of you guys who are moms and dads, biologically and spiritually, I want you to think of this. The root of the righteous cannot be moved generationally. Generationally. The root structures that you are putting into your children cannot be moved generationally. The prayer, the depth, when you're walking through trial, when you're going through suffering, when you're going through affliction and you invite your children into that sacred space and you put root structures inside of them, they'll not be moved. They'll not be moved. You know, there are people that have not learned how to weather disappointment and they've not learned how to weather betrayal, and they've not learned how to weather monotony. And the reason why is, Jesus says it right here, they have no root in themselves. We would call that person a shallow person. Don't be a shallow person, Antioch. Don't be a shallow church. What does a shallow person look like? Let's talk here for a minute or two. What does the shallow person look like? We said before that a shallow person likes to stay on the surface. Think about this relationally. Think about people that you engage in relationship with and they can't have a conversation beyond the Broncos. They can't have a conversation beyond the weather. They can't have a conversation beyond material things. They can't have a conversation even beyond politics. What is that? That is, a, that is the, the, the fruit of a lack of root in oneself. Someone who cannot engage at a heart level. Someone who has what we call intimacy anorexia. They don't know how to be intimate with another person because they lack depth. They lack depth within themselves. What does the shallow person look like spiritually? You know, in a consumer Christian world, in a cultural Christian world, the shallow person looks like someone who is only enamored with aesthetics, veneers. They're only worried about the sound of a rock worship band. They don't even call it a worship band. They just like the music. Does the music sound good? Right? What does the children's programs look like? They're just paying attention to the exterior. What does a shallow person look like financially? They don't invest. They, they, they are moved by what they want and need at the moment. As opposed to developing depth of soil that says, I am going to practice delayed gratification so that I can position myself to be an investor and to be a guarantor and an inheritor of things that matter. Shallow people don't give in offerings. At least they don't give consistently. You've heard people say before, well, I've tried that tithe thing. How long have you tried it? I've tried that thing for a couple of weeks. There are some things in the spirit that can, they will only bear fruit 
with consistent cultivation after years. Years, guys, listen, listen, years. And I would even say this, decades. There are things, there are, there's a fruit inside of you that we're not gonna see until you choose to walk this road out for another 30 or 40 years. There is character that God is building inside of you. Listen, this is why monotony, this is why the mundane, this is why the quiet, this is why the hidden place is so important because it's in those moments, if we choose to participate with God, where he builds depth of soil. He builds depth of soil so that something can get in there and get rooted. Now, last week we talked about learning how to participate and engage with the anointing by the Spirit. Listen, I'm not talking about just receiving something with joy. With a, with, a, with a fleeting sense of excitement. We're not talking about that. Do you understand what I'm t- saying here? Well, just walk with me here for a minute. I've been in meetings where people get excited, where people lay a hold of something, but because they have no root within themselves. Now, the idea of walking in miracles, the idea of laying hands on the sick and seeing them recover, don't you know that has to be purchased? It does. You know, the idea of having a lasting committed marriage over 50 years, you know, there's a romance season and there's, there's reality season. And the same thing, watch this, you know, you can hear the word with joy that you're going to get married to somebody. You can hear that word with joy, but I promise you the sun's going to come up. The sun will come out tomorrow and you will wither. I'll bet your bottom dollar that tomorrow you're going to fade away if you ain't got no root structure. There is something called the sun, the beating, blazing, burning sun of commitment. You know what that sun does? It shows you how shallow you are. You know what that sun does? It shows you how uncommitted you are. You know what it does? It shows you that you have issues with your mommy. You know what it does? It shows you you had issues with your daddy that you never got dealt with. And you know what those issues are? They're stones. They're rocky places. And you ain't got no soil for the root of marriage to get down in there deep because you got to get in there and you got to pull some stones out of the soil. God can put some earth. He can put some depth. He can put something inside of you that will stand and that will get locked in for the legacy that God wants to build in your life. What's a shallow person look like at work? Can't hold down a job. I mean, listen, I ain't trying to judge nobody in here, but if you've been bounced around from job to job, like five jobs in the past six months, you gotta, listen, it's not everybody else's fault. Now, don't get offended at me. I'm gonna pastor you here for a second. Don't get offended at that. There is something to staying in something that you do not like. You ain't gonna like everything about every job you work. And sometimes you got to do something that you don't like to do so it's something's built in you that you can do something you love to do. It's part of the process. Shallow people don't stick in jobs. Shallow people quit. Shallow people make excuses. Shallow people blame. Sh- should I go on? Work is God's design for you. Now, now hear me. I know that there's some real, real deal situations. I know that there's injustices. I know that some of you, you have been working 
And listen, work and job are not synonymous, okay? You may not have a job, but you're still working. Are, you, you, are we clear on that? Christy, the moment we got married, God said, I want you to work with Jade in ministry. She not necessarily had a job where she's been paid, but she has worked, I guarantee. So how does a shallow person approach work? How they approach relationships? How they approach church? How they approach life groups? How they approach, you know, a, a, a rocky person in a church? They'll come, they'll attend, they'll leave. That's it. And as much as I understand that part of the process, and for those of you guys who are in that part of the process, I validate that. I validate that. Because there is a process. And some of you guys who are here are new, some of you guys who have been here for the past 69 months, <laughs> we ain't been around for 69 months, y'all. <laughs> Six to nine months. If you've been here for the past six to nine months, you may still be in that, in that process. But guys, listen, there comes a time. There comes a time. And it may not be at this place, it may be somewhere else, but, but let me just speak to you principally speaking as it relates to being rooted, as it relates to producing fruit. Again, some of you guys are wondering, why am I not seeing any fruit? Because you're not gonna get fruit being transplanted every six months. This soil structure, this soil, I'm gonna get all botanist on y'all. This soil structure this soil, the soil climate of Antioch Church, it has certain nutrients that you can't get other places. And other places have a soil structure that have ingredients and nutrients that, that we don't have. And it's not a comparison deal, it's a calling deal. It is a calling. I don't want to drive down and I, want, I don't want every flower to look like a sunflower. As much as I love sunflowers, I want to see some pink Gerber daisies from time to time. All right, or I want to see some purple orchids, or I want to see some lilies. I want to see some, come on, talk with me. Don't look at me like that. All you guys are like, I need another analogy. I need another analogy, dude. Like, let's talk about animals. Like, I don't want to just kill elk, right? Is that what you're saying? Right? I, I'm feeling that one. I want to kill a little bear sometime, or maybe a, maybe a, I don't know. I just want to kill something. I, I need another analogy. I don't even know what I was saying now. <laughs> that's right, that's right. I don't want to just eat rice and beans every night, man. Come on, I want some Italian on one night. I want some Asian on one night. I want some American on one night. I need some variety. What am I saying? I'm saying that this soil structure is a unique soil structure, but you will not gain from this by just being transplanted. The rocky soil person in church, they don't get involved in life groups. They don't serve, they don't get involved in the ministry crew. They don't adopt the heart and the spirit, and the DNA of a vision of a house. They don't give their heart to people. They don't in fully engage in worship. And if they do, it's selfish. Rocky soil people are selfish. At the root, they are superficial, they are shallow, and they're selfish. And here's why, because it's all about them. They immediately hear the word with joy and they have to be exhorted week after week. They need a pick-me-up week after week. They need a pep rally week after week. And when they do, they get it with joy. But watch what happens Monday morning. When reality hit, when the sun rises, it says they fall away. Why? Because they have no root where? 
in themselves. Antioch, you are people who are called to have root in yourself. You are called to be people of character, people who stand, people of legacy, people of covenant, people of commitment. The people in this house, we're gonna break the statistics on divorce. The people in this house, we're gonna break the statistics on kids and on preacher's kids. We're gonna change those things. The people in this house, we're gonna be good examples and good witnesses, and we're not gonna be the type of business people that nobody wants to do business with because we're Christians. Are you hearing me today? Why? Because we're not rocky soil people. We're not shallow, superficial. We're not selfish people. Let me just say this last thought, and here's this. In order for you to get depth, sometimes you gotta just get quiet. Can you be okay with not producing something? You know, sons and daughters, like my kids, they don't have to produce anything for me. My love and my affection for them is not based on what they can produce. Rocky soil people need to be producing something all the time. They always they just need to be producing something. You don't have to produce something to win the affection of the Father. Get quiet. Get still. Learn patience. Learn stability. Learn steadfastness. Don't be so frenetic when you're with God. You hear some people go, well, I just can't do solitude. Well, you need to learn how to. Well, I can't get quiet because when I do, I've got a thousand things that run through your mind. You're not the only one. It's not some supernatural grace that's reserved for spiritual mystics. It's for all of us. Get quiet. Let God build depth in you. When you're with others, learn to listen. Let God build depth inside of you. When you're tempted to run, don't, and let God build depth inside of you. When God shows you a stone of offense, take it to the Father and let God build depth inside of you. The world needs it. Aren't you tired of being a fruitless person? Let him cultivate deep soil. There's a guy in my neighborhood whose yard is, it's very envious. And mine is not. And I was walking one day and I asked him, I said, how's your yard get so great, man? He said, well, you need to understand that uh, when they build houses here, they only build them with about two, two inches or four inches of, you know, good soil. And everything beneath that is clay. And uh, he said, so that's why, you know, you can water your grass all you want. You can go to church all you want. You can sing songs all you want. You can water your grass all you want. He says, but you, you got you to gotta go down. You got to build up and you got to pull out all that rocky soil. That's what he said. He says, so when we moved in, he says, what we did is we, we, um, we told the guys, hey, listen, you know, we don't need you to plant any um, sod. He says, I went and I got one of those big old cat machines. And he says, I, I, I dug out four feet four feet. And he says, and you'll hit these rocky places. You'll hit clay. You'll hit this hard ground. He says, I just pulled that all up. He says, and then I went and I bought good soil and I put that soil on my yard. And I'm telling you guys, I'm going to take a picture of it, show you guys next week. You think I'm lying. I'm like, his grass is always, it looks like a putting green. And you know what he said? He says, I never have to aerate it. I never have to over reseed it. I'm, I do that junk 
every year. You know why? Because the root structure in my yard, it's, it's, it's clay, it's rocky, it's not nutrient-rich. And so sometimes you got to dig a little bit. Where you're at right now, some of you, some of you are discouraged, some of you want to quit, some of you are frustrated. You know what God's doing? He's trying to, he's just taking that machine and he's, he's digging things out of you. God showed me some things in my life this week. God, it made me so discouraged. You know what God's saying? Son, I have to show you what's in you so I can deal with what's in you. The way you respond, that's in you. It's not circumstance. That's in you. It's in you. And I want to get it out of you. Stand to your feet with me this morning. I want to just pray for you. And I want to encourage you today. Don't walk out of this place discouraged, you guys. You're not rocky soil people. You're not shallow, superficial people. You're not hard soil people. You're not arrogant, ignorant people. You are good soil people. Antioch is a good soil church. We're going to raise good soil marriages. We're going to raise up strong, grounded, rooted, fruitful, good soil children. I need at least one amen. My God. Amen, right? Isn't that what you want? That's what we want. Don't be discouraged, guys. Be encouraged. Be encouraged today. All right. What should we do here? Tell you what, I want you to just grab the hand of somebody next to you. Ah, I bless you, Antioch. I bless your heart. I bless your soil. Take heart heart I pray grace upon you today I pray that something by the Holy Spirit was awakened inside of you I pray today that you would be people that in the face of persecution even persecution of the church that you would be people that stand I pray that when the winds blow and when the waves crash against your house You will not fall because your house is rooted. I pray today for your root structures, Antioch. I pray Colossians 2, 7, and 8, that you would be rooted and grounded in Christ Jesus. You would be rooted and grounded in his love. I pray that you would be like Psalm 1. You would be like a man and woman planted by streams of water, that you'd be rooted in the word. I pray Proverbs 12, 3, that the house of the wicked cannot be established, but of the root of the righteous stands firm forever. I pray grace for the rooting season. I pray a vigilance to uproot every stone inside of your heart, inside of your thinking, inside of your attitude, inside of your relationships, inside of your generational line. Go and pull one of those stones up today. Get vigilant about pulling those stones up out of your heart and out of your life and out of your marriage and out of your children. I pray today that your finances would be strong in Jesus' name, that God would grant you the grace to be people that are blessed, that your lineage will be blessed, that you will pass on great inheritances to your children because you don't just consume your seed. You are rooted people. In the name of Jesus, I declare that you are rooted people. No storm will blow you over. No drought will dry you up. You are rooted people. You are rooted people. I bless your root structures today. 
Your children will rise and they will call you blessed. You are pillars in the house of the Lord. You are elders in the gates of your city. That is who you are. You are spiritual fathers and you are spiritual mothers. You are pouring out seed to the next generation. You are kingdom transformers. That is who you are. You are fruitful people. You are rooted people. And I bless you today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, you guys. Go have a great week. Go go kill it. Go kill this week. Go kill it, man. Go dominate it. Amen. Hurrah.